as a fellow creative person, you probably also lived through that era when you were in school and teachers made you do papers and things that seemed creative, maybe art projects, maybe your art teacher, maybe your, your music teacher, where they gave you a bunch of rules and constraints and you remember being like, ah, I just wanna write what I wanna write. I don't want to have to write an essay on this specific life experience. I just want to be able to write what I want to write. And because of that, sometimes we build up walls against any constraints. We just wanna be totally free. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes constraints that we self-impose can actually help our songwriting and specifically our creativity within our songwriting to sort of escape the boxes that we put ourselves in. In this episode, we're gonna talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. As always, I am your host, Joseph Vidala, and today we are talking about how constraints can actually help our songwriting creativity. This is all about escaping our creative box. We don't want to stay in the same exact creative box. We don't want all our songs to sound the same. And this is not saying it is, I think it's very good and even important maybe to have a quote unquote sound. That's not what I mean by a box. A box is extra constrained. It's when you kind of lose interest in an artist because it's been five albums straight of, it just feels like it's the same song over and over and over again. That's what we want to avoid. And also, if you're interested in even more ways to escape that creative box that we don't want to be in, be sure to download my free guide, 10 Ways to Start Writing a Song. It's at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. It will give you 10, of course, different ways to start writing a song from different standpoints so that you don't start your song from the same exact place every time. Because if you start your song from the same place every time, your results are likely to be this, not exactly the same, but very similar. If you always start your song with strumming a guitar, you always start your song with uh, coming up with piano block chords or something, then your songs are going to slowly start to all sound the same, or at least that can be a tendency. So we want to start writing from different standpoints. So check that out if you're interested. But in this episode, talking about constraints. But before we talk about constraints... It's important to talk about what our natural tendencies are so that we can understand why it's important and why it can be helpful to have constraints. So the reality is that our default, just as human beings in general, is towards habit and what we're comfortable with, right? So you probably do more or less the same routine every day, right? There might be some variation like, for example, on a Saturday, your routine obvi obviously probably looks a little different than it does on a weekday. But generally speaking, say, taking every weekday, whatever time of day that you wake up is probably fairly similar every day, right? Are you a morning person? Maybe you're a night person? What time do you work out, right? If you work out, it, it's not exactly common for people to be like, oh, I'll work out in the morning today, and then tomorrow I'm going to work out at 6 o'clock at night, right? That's not usually how it goes. You usually have some habits and you do it sort of the same way over and over and over again. This is the natural tendency, right? And and for a lot of things in life too, it's even a good thing, right? Like I don't I don't want my mechanic to get cute 
with how to fix my car, right? There's a right way, and then there's a bunch of wrong ways. And I don't pretend to know anything about, you know, being a mechanic of a car. I assume, you know, for some things, there's maybe a couple different ways, right? I don't think everything has exactly one way. I'm sure there are some that has some tiny bit of creative room. But, like, same with house construction, right? Like, I don't want somebody... If I'm going to have somebody build me a house, I don't want them to get cute with, like, how to do the the beams and the pillars and stuff to hold the house up, right? Like, there's certain physics, and the, the house needs to be built within the rules of physics. You know, same with somebody constructing a car, even even with software. Even with software, is there more creative room than some of these other things? Sure. Um, but But it's still, like, there are ways that are right for certain contexts or for certain situations or certain needs... And then there are ways that are wrong. So often in our life, too, we, we almost get rewarded for doing things sort of inside the box, doing things that are out of habit, doing things the same way over and over again. Because for a lot of things, it's a good thing. So for me, for example, it's at, at this point, it's just like understood. It just sort of automatically happens that after I'm done with work and my wife is done with work, then it's like 6 p.m. or 5.30, maybe 6.30, right? It's got maybe an hour variance, and we do Insanity Max 30. And that's just the default. We don't think about it. We don't think about, oh, what workout should we do? It's just that over and over again, which for a workout is actually pretty good um, because then it's a habit, right? But it's not so good when it comes to creativity because – well, it's not necessarily a bad thing to basically just do Insanity Max 30 as your workout. Uh, shout out to Shanti, who is so so good at those things. Which, not that I expect Shanti to ever hear this, but just throwing it out there, Shanti, I feel like, gets the nice, perfect balance of, like, he's, like, nice and encouraging, but also, um, I don't want to say mean, because he's not mean at all, but, like, he pushes you, too, right? And I know this is just a DVD, I know, but, like, he just mixes those two really well, where, where he kind of, like, he kind of is, is encouraging, but also pushes you as, like, that coach that's, like, always a little disappointed type thing. I don't know how to explain it, but Shanti, great stuff. Anyway, so our natural tendency is to stay in our boxes. So if you're comfortable with grabbing your guitar, coming up with a chord progression you like, and writing a song... That's what we're going to default to over and over and over again. But we don't want to do that because unlike insanity and unlike building a house or fixing a car, we want our songs to turn out different. This is an exploration. This is not a solved problem, right? Writing a song is not a solved problem like fixing an engine. It's something that we need to explore. We're creating something new, not fixing something. So we need to find ways to force ourselves out of our boxes. So we're going to talk about a few ways to do that, and, and some specifically that I've done here recently and have helped me a lot. One of those constraints is that I will put a click track on to a certain 
BPM, beats per minute, so a certain tempo, and do some improvisation, usually on the piano. Piano is my favorite instrument to write with, even if I'm using, you know, synth effects or whatever. Um, writing on the piano is is my preferred method. I obviously do guitar as well because, you know, again, want to change it up. Um, but piano is sort of the uh, a good starting place for me, especially because it's easier to write uh, melodies with piano. So I tend to write songs around 120 beats per minute. Most songs that I write hover anywhere from 108 to like 128. Um, so I'll put a click track on or I'll get my recording software up, turn on the click track, and set the BPM to like 90 or 80, and then improvise from there. Another thing I've done recently is uh, put in a drum beat. I find that putting in a catchy, simple drum beat is a great way to ca- to write catchy music. And I've talked about this before. For me personally, catchy music is not my strong suit. I tend towards uh, memorable, not that they're necessarily two different things, right? But um, there's a difference, right, between this sort of epic song with a memorable melody that gives you goosebumps type thing and something that's catchy, right? Those are two... Very different things often. So I lean towards the, the goosebumps epic side of things more so than I do the catchy foot tapping side of things. But I, but I want to do some of that other stuff, right? You know what's a great way to do that? Put a catchy drum beat in. Because you're not going to write something melodic and memorable when you're playing along with a catchy drum beat. Right? A drum beat is like the ultimate hack to write in a certain style too. So if you find... For example, like a, a standard jazz drum beat. Guess how you're gonna play, jazzy. <laughs> like that's just what's gonna happen. So those are two things, right? One is a drum beat, which can really get specific about the the vibe of the song, or you can just do a specific BPM. Try to figure out what what BPM have you seemed to gravitate towards. And put on a different one. Preferably significantly different. Maybe even check out some of your favorite artists. Figure out what their BPM tendencies are. Like for me, I've talked before, favorite artist of all time by a very wide margin is Vertical Horizon. Most of their songs are more in the 90-ish range. Or at least their, their older song, heyday songs, if you will. So, so, <laughs> so I tried writing a song at that BPM because... Why not, right? And it's, it's in a BPM that I haven't done before. And it forces me into something a little different than I would normally do. Another thing you can do, pick a different time signature. You know, you may default, uh, I certainly do, to 4-4. Um, four, four. And most of us don't want to get too cute with time signatures. Uh, you know, 5-4 is, is not exactly something that a lot of songs are written in. Um, I, although I do, I do think five, four is something worth trying for sure. Five, four is pretty awesome, but the, you know, especially when we get really fancy into time signatures, it, it starts getting wonky pretty fast. Um, but three, four, right. If you haven't written a song in three, four, or you haven't in four, four, and somehow you just think in three, four all the time, try that. That also changes the feel of songs significantly significantly. I remember the first song I wrote in 3-4 accidentally. 
And once I realized it, uh, I'm like, oh, wait a second. That's why this song just seems so different to me. It felt like I had broken out of a box and I didn't really know why until I figured out, oh, it's, it's three, four. So that's something else you can do, a constraint that you can put on yourself to help your creativity. Because maybe you're stuck because you keep trying to do four, four songs. And maybe the next song that you have in you is three, four. So pick a different time signature. I'd mostly bounce between those two and other variations of those, right? Like six, eight. Um, but five, four, also probably worth trying. And certainly, hey, if you're somebody that likes wonky time signatures, go for it. Go for it. But 99% of songs, I think, are three, four, 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 or, you know, another form of those, like two, two, or six, eight. Uh, and there's, you know, there, there are reasons for that. So don't feel the need to get too wonky with it, but at least between those two, maybe adding five, four to the mix, definitely worth playing with. Another thing you can do, use a very different instrument. So... Something I've done more and more recently is I start with a synth sound instead of a real piano sound. Uh, and then organ. So um, something I've added to arrangements recently is organ because I really like that or organ is a very organic sound. It has this sort of regal epicness to it. And is just one of those sounds that is, in my opinion, criminally underutilized. Like, I, I can't think of the last song I've heard that had organ in it. And I'm sh of course there are some out there, right? But to me, like, organ is not that exotic of an instrument. So why is it not in any music? Especially when it can add some real epicness to it. I mean, just think, the Interstellar soundtrack is freaking phenomenal. Um, and the whole thing's, like, built on organ. It's fantastic. Um, like, I love that sound. So... I had been adding it to my songs recently, and then I'm like, wait a second, what if I try writing a song starting with the organ sound? Like, sure, I'll play it on my keyboard, but what I hear is organ. And as any electric guitarist would know, um, so you may resonate with this as I say this, when you have different sounds you hear, you play differently, right? Like. If you have hard distortion on, the way you're going to play is going to be significantly different than a clean guitar or one that has, like, layered reverbs or, like, five delays on it, right? Like a quarter note delay and a half note delay and an eighth note delay, right? You are going to play those significantly differently. And the same thing is true when you write with different synths or an organ sound, or something else I've done recently for the more catchy songs is a, a clavinet, clavinet so, sound. Um, uh, just because Superstition by Stevie Wonder is so freaking catchy and awesome, and I just wanted to get just a, a little bit of that. I've disappointed myself very much so far, but that was a high standard to start with, so I uh, set myself up for that. But... Um, again, it's something where I, the way I play that clavinet sound, even though I'm playing it on the same keyboard that I play the piano stuff on, I just play completely differently. So use a very different instrument, and this can mean literally grabbing a different instrument, right? Something I've considered doing, I just haven't run creatively dry in a long time, um, but, but next time I do, something that I might try is grabbing my wife's ukulele. 
because um, ukulele music generally is not exactly my thing. Um, but it could inspire me in a way that that guitar and piano and bass won't. So that might be something that I grab. So you can certainly grab a literally different instrument. Uh, but another thing you can do if you're a guitarist, right, e even if you just have an acoustic guitar, if you have an amp, if you can get some free amp software and plug your guitar into your computer, doesn't matter. The sounds don't have to be good as long as you can somewhat like try, okay, what about with distortion? What about with delays? You know, and if you have an electric guitar and pedals and all that, even better, right? It's really easy for you. And you can do the same thing with a keyboard. Obviously, with an acoustic piano, you can't really do that. Uh, the one downside of an uh, acoustic piano, which is, of course, otherwise so, so nice and beautiful, um, I say with no bias whatsoever. But um, another thing to try is change up your style of playing your instrument, right? So if we go back to the guitar strumming and chords, it can be as simple as like, no, I'm going to write a song where I finger pick. Or no, I'm going to write a song where I use my pick, but, but, but do, you know, picking instead of like individual notes and sort of arpeggios, if you will, instead of strumming, right? Right there, you're going to come up with something completely different. This is also something I've done where at some point in college, I'm like, you know what I want to do? I want to do a song where, where, where I, I pick the individual notes. I don't want to strum. I want to try something different. I want to challenge myself a little bit more because strumming tends to be easier than the picking. Um, and I wanted to come up with a, a somewhat interesting picking part as well. So challenging yourself to that. And, and I love that song. It's going to be the opening song on the EP that I'm finishing up. Uh, is by far the oldest song on the EP and is probably my least favorite song on the EP at this point, partially just because it's so old. And uh, you may have noticed this as a songwriter, but there's a tendency that the older your song gets, uh, no matter how good you still think it is, you almost get tired of it or, or it's kind of like old news to you. Um, it's sort of how I imagine most people feel when like authors, right? When like they finished a trilogy 20 years ago and it's still the trilogy everybody cares about the most. Or maybe an actor when like, say like, I don't know, Harrison Ford, where it's like I, I, I was, you know, he was done with Star Wars 40 years ago uh, before he was brought into the mess that we call the sequel trilogy. But ignoring that, right? Like for, for, for 30 years, you probably got questions about Star Wars. And he's like, oh, I'm over it by now, right? But nobody else is over it. Um, so that's sometimes you feel that way about some of your older songs. Um, so that's probably a part of it. Anyway, not important. But so finger picking guitar or picking with a pick guitar or if you usually do block chords on piano, forcing yourself not to, doing something that's arpeggiated instead. Uh, you know, force yourself to do a piano riff. Um, I, one of my favorite styles is to do sort of a piano riff that's mostly in the right hand, but I sort of give a piano bass line in the left hand that I think is interesting. And that combination for me is something I, I, I tend to really like. Uh, so if you haven't tried that, try that out. Uh, ma major versus minor key, right? Uh, especially if you're, you know, a quintessential singer-songwriter type. You probably gravitate a lot more to major keys. Uh, even I do. Um, interestingly enough, when I'm, whenever I'm writing more, quote unquote, the rock side of my music, uh, I tend to or towards minor. Right? Everything is minor and drop tuning and 
power chords and and riffs with lots of distortion and minor. Um, but when it comes to the other side of songwriting, my singer-songwriter side, the Joseph Vidala, you know, individual artist side, I lean very much towards major keys. And so lately I've been working on like, okay, I, I want to write a minor key song that isn't like hard distorted rock, right? Like that's something that I would just like to do because I haven't really done that. I, I tend to like go to, you know, again, if, if it's piano based and it's a singer songwriter stuff, boom, major key. And usually I do it in what I call melancholy major, which is that when it's technically a major key, uh, but I get sort of all the sad notes out of it, if you will. Uh, you know, it's the more the morose side of the major key, the way that I play or the, the way it sounds. So it's sort of like sadder with a with a tinge of hope, because uh, sometimes uh, minor songs and minor keys sometimes struggle from sounding a little too down in the dumps um, when it's singer songwriter style to my ears anyway. Um, just a tendency, but I think that's a part of why I haven't done it yet. But anyway, if you're somebody who's leaned towards one or the other, pick the other one, right? Just it doesn't matter which one. Pick. A minor, right? Like, just A minor. Do it. Um, another thing you can do is try a specific chord progression, right? Maybe there's a chord progression you've heard and you liked. And I know that I poke fun at writing from chord progressions, but it is a valid way to do it. I just don't think it's it's A should be your main way. It shouldn't be your go-to way. And there should be some variance. Uh, but certainly don't hear any of that as as at any point. I've, I would not advise... Never do chord progressions. Never start with chord progressions. Like, no, there's a time and a place for all different ways of writing songs. Just don't overdo it with chord progressions, as I don't think it's one of the best ways. But you can do it with subjects as well, right? So themes. Maybe you're a person that for your last 10, 20 songs, it's all been about, you know, boo-hoo, you left me. And you know what? Like, been there, okay? So I'm not, I'm not judging you for it. Uh, I've totally been there. Uh, we, we can, you know, tend to write in uh, a similar vicinity of subject matter for a long time. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong to, again, sort of like having a sound, right? To sort of have a voice, if you will, where, where you tend to talk about some of the same areas of subjects, right? Maybe, uh, dealing more with, you know, dealing with depression and, and, and self-destructive tendencies or whatever. And a lot of your songs circle around that sort of idea generally. Um, but you don't want just all love songs, right? Because then you become Taylor Swift just without all the money, which sounds like the worst thing ever, right? Because like, that's the one redeemable part of being Taylor Swift, right? So <laughs> for any of you new here, I always tease Taylor Swift. So if you're wondering, why does he hate Taylor Swift? Don't worry about it. It's just a, it's a joke. It's fine. It's a joke. Cool? Good. Moving on. So, um, an example of this is doing an EP can actually help with this. If you commit to sort of doing an EP, right, which is a, a collection of usually four to six songs, and maybe you see two of your songs. Maybe let's say you have a pool of like ten songs that you're kind of working on, and you know maybe three of them are done, and three of them are in the middle, and three have barely been started, and one is just an idea. And 
you're looking at them all and you're like, I don't, I don't know what to really do with this. But maybe three of them sort of center around one sort of theme. So then if you say to yourself, oh, let's let's build out and finish an EP sort of circling around that theme. And that can be something that can be really, really helpful is is deciding to explicitly write about a certain theme. So, for example, um, after uh, there was sort of a combination of things that happened, I had had two grandparents that passed away from some version of one was fast moving dementia and the other one's Alzheimer's. But it's the same idea, right? You you lose memories, you don't recognize people anymore. And um, also, I happened to go to this really, really good play in, at this local tiny theater in New Hampshire uh, that was put on by, by kids, and they did a fantastic job. Um, and by kids, I mean like under eight, 18, right? Some, some of them were like eight years old, but some were like 16 or whatever. So not, you know, not children, not small children, uh, but, but like, you know, high school and below. And they did an incredible job. And I, I wish I, I remembered what the name of the playhouse was. I'd give them a shout out. Um, but I cannot remember. But anyway, they had, they had this uh, play that was about someone dealing with the loss of memories and really dealing with Alzheimer's. And it just was fantastic. So it was sort of this, this, this storm of inspiration that happened for me, both in my own life and then in this play that we went to, that, that moved me to, to want to write about dealing with memories and dealing with Alzheimer's. So out of that stemmed like three or four songs that all sort of stemmed around this idea of, of maintaining memories and, and, and you know, trying to hold on to memories and, 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 and just the whole... I don't want to say the whole Alzheimer's thing because it's not necessarily just Alzheimer's that it deals with, but um, I just wrote a bunch of songs that dealt with this idea of keeping memories. So that's the name of the EP that I'm finishing up right now. It's called Keeping Memories. And 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 then the, the stuff I'm working on now is all centered around the concept of, of the infinite war, which the infinite war is sort of this idea that, you know, sometimes we talk like, you know, we conquer something from our past, right? So, so somebody who like maybe used to deal with drugs or drinking, you know, maybe was an alcoholic. Uh, usually, that person still can't drink or or get drunk, right? Like, the, like for the rest of their lives, there's some level of like they just can't treat alcohol the way your average person does, uh, because because of that trap they've 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 gotten into before. And, and it's sort of a slippery slope back into it. And there's this idea in life that we like conquer something and then it's done. It's defeated, right? We've, we've have totally and completely defeated the enemy, but that's not really how things work, right? Like if you deal with depre- with depression, right? You're probably, you can fight it back, right? And you can make it so that it doesn't affect your life or inhibit your life nearly as much today as it did last year. Or yesterday, right? And you can get it to a point where it no longer, you know, means you wake up every morning and cry, or, or where you no longer feel desperately alone every day of the month. And you know, maybe it's you get it to the point where, like, it's it's one time a month you have a, a couple of really rough days, um, but the rest of the month you're mostly fine, right? So th- there's different ways that I can look, but the idea that like it's it's just defeated, right? Is is 
in, in my opinion, largely incorrect. You know, if there's temptations we deal with, they're probably always going to be there. We can push them back, but they're always going to be there. So it's this infinite war that we just have to wage uh, until, and, you know, until our lives are over. So similarly, right, I, I sort of pick that theme. And that has helped to constrain some of the things I write. And I'm, it's not that I don't write anything if it doesn't fit in that theme, right? It just won't be on that EP. But that's something else that can be helpful, right? Something I've done at some point is I'm like, you know what? I really kind of like that happy-sounding, catchy song that's really bitterly sarcastic. So I made myself write that. And it's, 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 it's sort of one of my guilty pleasure favorite songs in that uh, the lyrics are just absolutely savage. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's not something that you'd necessarily expect from me, but I really, really, really love the song. Um, and that's actually one of the few that is up on the YouTube channel currently. So if you want to check it out, it's uh, it's it's called Hello Reality. And it is not kind. <laughs> um, and I love that song. So anyway, hopefully this inspired you a little bit to put some constraints on your songwriting. So I challenge you to actually do this over this next week, at least in your songwriting, you know, start writing a new song and give yourself a rule, right? Maybe it's forcing yourself to write it in three, four. Maybe it's, it's, uh, figuring out what BPM you tend to, to write songs in and then choosing a different one and, you know, improving or, or, you know, starting a chord progression, however you want to start writing your song from there to that, you know, click track going at that beats, that tempo beats per minute, or, you know, coming up with a drum beat, right? There's plenty of free drum loops online, uh, that do different styles, right? So there'll be a basic rock beat, a basic pop beat, like four to the floor, right? And, and you know, a basic EDM beat, a basic jazz beat. Uh, half the time they have like a bossa nova in there. Um, so regardless, right, you can pick one of those and play along with that and improv along with that. And I believe it's next week or in, in the next couple of weeks we're going to be touching on improv a little bit more. But, um, yeah, do that. You will not regret it. It will absolutely help you. It's helped me a ton, uh, especially in the past year and a half or so. I've done I've done this a lot. And again, this is not to say to not let yourself write anything outside of the box. The idea is write like pick a thing to specifically do for one song, right? So maybe it's one song where you're like I am going to write the baseline first. I'm just going to write a killer baseline. That's what I'm going to do. That's that's my rule. And for that song, you stick to that rule. For that song, you stick to trying a different beats per minute, trying a different time signature, using a different instrument, you know, starting with an organ sound instead of a piano sound, or starting with distorted guitar if you usually like clean guitar. So if this was helpful and you haven't already, be sure to leave a review on iTunes. I appreciate all of you who have already done that, but there's a ton of you who haven't done that. So be sure to leave a review on iTunes. I know some of you don't listen on iTunes. I feel that. I also don't listen on iTunes. I am not an Apple person. I am a uh, Google Android person, so I use Google Podcasts. 
So I certainly understand that, but it is most helpful because a lot of people do use iTunes. That's sort of the main review place. So um, just check out the podcast. If you just Google like iTunes songwriter theory, it will be the first thing to pop up or in the top five things to pop up. If you just jump on there, hopefully leave a five-star review. That will help me out so other people can find this podcast. So if you find it helpful and you want other people uh, to be able to be helped as well, uh, that is the best way that you can do that. It's the best way to give back and help me out is to go leave that review. And again, if you haven't already, check out the free guide, 10 Ways to Start Writing a Song, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. It will help you with some of the things that we talked about here today about different ways to start writing a song. It's sort of uh, not quite the other side of the coin of what we talked about today. Not, it's not necessarily restraints, uh, but it's sort, of, it's sort of the same idea where you start from, you explicitly start from a different standpoint than you usually do, and that can help open you up creatively to new things, new avenues that you probably wouldn't discover otherwise. So it's the same thing. It's a good companion guide. Go grab it. Songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Thank you as always for listening. I would say thank you as always for watching, but this is actually only in podcast form uh, because uh, full transparency, I'm still not sure about this, so I may change my mind, but right now I'm leaning towards just doing quote-unquote videos on the YouTube channel, meaning like videos that are edited and kept to theoretically around 10 minutes. Some of them are like five minutes. Some of them I try to get it to be one minute, but usually fail and they're like two and a half minutes. Um, but, you know, hi highly edited and, and concise uh, because, you know, most people on YouTube aren't looking to watch a half an hour long video. That's just somebody sitting there talking. Um, so I, I'm leaning towards making podcasts explicitly just a podcast and, um, and then, you know, video, you know, doing what people actually want out of videos, which is concise and edited. And, you know, at a podcast, people usually want something more conversational. You're in the car, right? So you're not as much in a rush, um, you know, podcasts are just different. But if you are a person who really likes watching on YouTube and you're in late in the last couple of weeks, you've been like, what the heck? Like, why is I see he's still putting videos out here, but the the video of the podcast is not on here. If you're one of those people, um, let me know. Songwriter uh, Joseph at songwritertheory.com. Shoot me an email. Um, you know, cause if I'm wrong on this and, and there's a ton of you that are like, no, for whatever reason, I like having the YouTube video up in the background. And once in a while I bring it up and, um, watch you talk about this instead of just listening, you know, maybe you're somebody who doesn't listen in the car. You know, if it's really important to you for it to be on YouTube, shoot me an email, let me know. Um, and if a ton of you do that, then, you know, maybe I will keep doing that, but it is a little easier to do a podcast when you're not also worried about video. And I know that, you know, your average YouTube person really is not interested in sitting for a half an hour video. Um, so yeah, still figuring stuff out, but there are going to still be videos on YouTube for sure. In fact, there might be more. I might go to three videos a week and then a completely separate podcast instead of what it has been, which is usually two to three videos a week. But one of the videos is just the podcast. Um, still figuring things out. So bear with me, but this podcast, if you're just a podcast listener, nothing's going to change. As far as you are concerned, the podcast is still coming out every single Monday. So again, thank you for listening. 
I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for those of you who reach out, email me. I appreciate that as well. Have an awesome week, and I will talk to you if you're only a podcast listener on Monday. Otherwise, I will see you in a video very soon.